Our passion for the job sometimes can be cyclical. Sometimes, uh, well, most of the time, if not every time, we start out and we're very passionate. We're very excited to do what it is we do for a living. And we have all kinds of reasons for that. And we should be passionate about it. We should feel rewarded in doing this career that we've been allowed to do. Uh, sometimes as we go on, our passions might tend to dwindle. Maybe we lose our passion for certain things. Um, and then maybe we get burned out altogether. But there is hope because we can reignite those passions through a systematic approach. And my conversation today with Chris Chandler Yates is all about how we can fight the burnout, how we can facilitate reigniting those passions that we might have lost and maybe igniting some new passion. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Chris Chandler Yates. Chris, my man, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me, Ryan. It's good to see you again. How have things been? Oh, yeah, they've been pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, you know, working on new things, getting ready to come back to the U.S. and doing a huge, massive workout routine thing the last 12 weeks. Uh, what are we on now? 11 weeks ago, started at Hardcore. So, yeah, lots going on. But it's right fun. on. Cool, cool. Um, so you say you're coming to, did you say Southern California and Hawaii? Is that where you said? Uh, so I'm going to Hawaii and then Northern California. So I'm from Northern Redding, California, California originally, uh, but I live here right. in New Zealand now. Uh, I've been here. Oh, I just cool. worked it out in an email. 18 years I've been here now. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. That was by quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just got my, uh, 15 year service anniversary for my agency. And I was like, man, 15 years. It went by quick. Yeah, yeah. But, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's funny. It's testament. funny we bring up. It's funny we bring up timing, and it is a testament. So many people, and I heard this. Tony Robbins said this one time when I was at a business seminar of his, and uh, he said people overestimate what they can get done in six months to a year, and then they underestimate what they can get done in a decade. So when you think about oh, that's a good what, one. where we've been over the last, you know, what we've done over the last 10 years, it's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so they underestimate right, what they yeah. can do in a year and they overestimate, sorry, they overestimate what they can get done in a year and they underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. Yeah, it's true. It's all about that timeline and consistency. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So right on, man. Well, doing great things, man. Yeah, I feel it. Um, you, uh, you've got a history of, of working with people who are looking to get fit and I, and there's a lot of dedication and, and, and passion that goes into that. Cause as a certified personal trainer myself, I'm very passionate about, about being fit, not just for my job, but for my family at the same time. But, uh, for me, like as a career firefighter, I personally feel, and I know I'm not alone in this is that, uh, the level of physical fitness that you're showing up with is like the bare minimum for entry when it comes to doing this job. Like you have to have uh, a pretty high standard when it comes to your ability and your physical fitness. And uh, I know that's the same when it comes to uh, the uh, like police agencies, because our jobs are just physically demanding period, you know, and the, the stressors that we face and all of the different things like shift work are kind of fighting against us when it comes to like our health and wellness. But um, that's not even taking into consideration our passion for the job, which I think has gotten us into our uniforms in the first place, right? Oh. So I kind of wanted to talk to you about the one of the things you're focusing on right now is like uh, fighting burnout. And so before we get to the burnout part, I'd like to talk about, uh, you know, pun intended, the ignition side of that, where our ignitions or our, our passions are ignited for the job. And uh, I'm curious as to what, what would you say drove your passion for your career as a police officer? So I know this one quite well, and it's taken me years since leaving the police to actually figure out what it was. Um, and this is what I, this is a big part of what I do for people when it comes to fighting burnout is know that person purpose or why, uh, why call it your mission your mission statement. Uh, and mine was, I wanted to help people uh, truly be seen uh, and actually see themselves through creating less pain um, and helping them create less pain as well. 
what actually tipped me over the line when I was a kid, I never wanted to be a cop. Uh, I respected the police, uh, but I was like, not too much rigidity, too much like you, I'm, I'm not allowed to do anything. Like I have to uphold the law. And so that means that I have to, you know, be a law abiding person and not that I'd ever right. go off and do crazy stuff, but I was like, I like to push boundaries. I like to test things. And <laughs> so it was never to be a cop. Uh, yeah. but then that seed right. got planted and I was actually in LA in 2008 and there was a passenger train that collided with a, um, cargo train, like a freight train. And I remember seeing the breaking news mm -hmm. on it and, uh, seeing what the cops were doing. And at that time I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And that's what shifted me. I literally started running. I was not a runner. I hated running. Uh, and if you watch any of my oh, social right. media, now you see, I run all the time. Uh, but I started running, I paid three and a half thousand us to get my eyes lasered while I was still in LA before I flew back, uh, because I had to for the place. And I just was dedicated because I saw that. And I was like, and that f hit with that. I couldn't articulate it back then. And so I lost it within about a year of being in the police force. But that's why I, that's what, that's what, that was that passion. Uh, because I wanted to help, uh, really help people see themselves. Um, so that they can bring out the true potential mm -hmm. that they have. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who just feel like lost among the crowd. And, and that's a good point that you bring up, helping them see themselves. Um, I was talking to, we have a, a new probie on my, on my crew right now. And we were talking about uh, the reasons or, or how we kind of learned that a career in the fire service is what we wanted. And so we kind of went around and talked about how, you know, what was it that inspired us and what's the passion that drives us. And, and it was all kind of a consensus uh, that we wanted to help people. Um, and there were some few differentiating factors uh, thrown in there, but for, for the most part, it was that we, we all wanted to help people. And so I posed the question, like, aren't there other ways to help people other than being in the fire service? And they all kind of took a pause and they were like, well, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, give me some, you know, give me some examples of those. And so they kind of talked about different ways and, and we kind of honed in on how the, the basic passion of, of wanting to help people is what drove us, but that our career in the fire service is merely like the channel for that thing. And uh, I know you had mentioned that, you know, you're, you're no longer a police officer, but you're still continuing to help people. And I feel like that passion that you have for that is what's driving that. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I've coached a lot of hundreds of people uh, on this. Um, a lot of people uh, for a while was helping them get into the police force. So really push through those fitness boundaries, you know, as we talked about with the fitness side of stuff which I'm not doing the fitness side anymore. But what mm -hmm. I recognized is that most of them want, it is, you know, you, you, you go, I want to join, they go, I want to join the place. So I want to join the fire service. I want to become a nurse or so any kind of frontline job or even military uh, in a way as well. I want to help people. Um, and I want to make a difference for people. I want to help in the community. I go, that is a great answer, but I hate it. I was like, that's a horrible answer. It's a horrible way to actually want to mm -hmm. do this career because this career that will last you all of about maybe six months, maybe a year, if you're lucky, two years, and you start to uh, fall off the, or as I call it, you'll stop hitting the target, that emotional target where you get excited, where it lights you up. You'll start to see the, the pessimists. You'll start to see the media, the negativity. You'll start to see all of that because of the trauma that's that you see and experience because we do uh this is why i say you need to go deep you need to really find your mission statement that is you that ties you to it and you do that by just asking why it's important uh and so I, I, you know wanting to help people is great but it will only literally get you to the cliff edge it won't get you to actually you know base jump off of it with a parachute uh, and have lots of fun uh, and stay having fun years and years later. Mm -hmm. so, right. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting because like the passion for, for the, uh, the, the desire to want to help people is still there. We're just merely kind of changing the channel on it. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. It's um, and, yeah, and this totally is what agree. I say. You totally know, agree. I, I'm, I take I'm people, kind of right there with you too. Yeah, I mean, I take people through a seven-step process, and a lot of times it starts at the top, uh, where it's really shallow. Of I want to help people, and then what I do is I actually walk them through and dig deeper and deeper and deeper. Once you get to that deep level, level, which mine is that um, I want to help. You know, I want I want to help myself and others truly see themselves, so we create the best version of ourselves. And when I drive from that, instead of that, I want to help people, um, there's just way more power in it and it keeps me going and it, it shifts, uh, shifts from me being me serving everything that I do to actually being served by what I do. Like it lights me up, it fills me up, it fills that tank up, even though it can be draining. Uh, it, it just, it fills me up with excitement. Yeah, I totally get that, man. That's that's exactly how I feel. Um, it's kind of like the idea that, you know, if you're passionate about what you do and you love what you do, then you really don't work a day in your life and, and you're really able to just do what it is that you're supposed to do here on the planet. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, get while you're giving that part of you to everyone, you know, you get that in return as well. So I love that. That's true. I've, I've absolutely felt that. Yeah. And this is, this is where I use the analogy, you know, for any cops or even a lot of, you know, Americans in that or people around the world, you know, it's like shooting at a target or maybe, you know, shooting bow and arrow at a target or whatever, just trying to hit a target, maybe playing darts. Uh, and uh, with the running from I help people and having that passion, it, you're, you're shooting at that target or you're throwing a dart at that target blindfolded. And so you know where the target is. You've been pointed straight at it. You know, it's maybe fire service or police or nursing or, you know, um, EMT or whatever it might be. You're throwing darts at it and you, you, you know where it is. And occasionally you'll hit that target, not even the bullseye, but you'll hit that target and you'll be like, because people will tell you or because you'll feel it you'll be like, oh my God, I'm ex-, like just lit up with excitement. Oh my God, I'm hitting it. And you'll be like that for a little while because you hit that target and then you got to throw another dart or you got to shoot the target again and you'll miss be like, oh, why did I miss? And so you start, you're constantly searching different ways on how to hit that target again and that. Whereas once you actually know that mission statement, that real deep level, uh, then we start to take the blindfold off. You can see the target. You know how to hit it because you have all the tools. You know the, the, the driver of it, whether it be fire, police, whatever it is, or you grow past that. And you start to just hit that target over and over again because you have something to articulate and hold yourself, you know, grounded towards. So it almost creates those roots or that um, anchor, as I call it, um, that you can always bounce yourself back to and be like, this is why I'm doing this. It's not just I want to help people because, again, that's so vague. It's because X, Y, Z. And it just keeps you, as you talk about, ignited. It keeps you on fire, man. (laughs) Because it's like when you're having that shit day, you're like, okay, cool. When I'm having that crap day, it's like, okay, how am I helping somebody? How am I helping myself see myself? And this is mine. How am I helping myself see myself? Ah, oh, shit, I haven't gone for that run. I haven't done that training. I haven't gone and done that cold water plunge. I, I, I'm, I'm turning up for everyone else, not for myself. Okay, cool, sweet. Actually, I'm feeling pretty good. And how am I turn? You know, how am I seeing my wife? How am I helping my wife see herself or see our see herself in our relationship? Oh, fuck, I'm not actually doing any of that. Crap, I better, you know, go get her right. some flowers or <laughs> the things that she loves. So, so yeah, you start to be able to actually go, shit, okay, I can hit this target every time because I know what the target actually looks like because I can actually see it. <laughs> right. I know what I'm aiming at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. it's true, it's true. It's like, um, it's like, it'd, you, it'd be like, it'd be like, about it'd, the... Sorry, it'd be like it'd be like being a firefighter and having the hose, but 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 having a black mask on and somebody spinning you around and going, okay, shoot, sweet, shoot the fire, shoot the hose at the fire. <laughs> You're like, where the fuck's the fire? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, hit it, put the fire out, and you're like, I've got no where idea. Where is it? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Um, so 
you, you brought up a good point. You, you said that, um, and we had, I kind of talked about this uh, with my probate like just a few minutes ago, how we all kind of came to a consensus that, you know, in general, we want to help people, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, and some people can, you know, when asked that question, they can answer with that answer and then have a period on the end versus like a three dot ellipsis, right? Mm-hmm. I want to help people dot, dot, dot do this by this or I want and and getting specific is super important um I talk a lot about setting goals and it's super important to get specific with those goals because you can be like well you know I'd like to lose weight okay well that's great but if you're not specific about it there's no way you can take a a practical approach to it you have to refine it down to I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of the quarter and so the more specific you're getting, you have these little benchmarks that you can, you can pay attention to. And again, you know, what gets measured gets improved. So if you're not willing to make a measurement on this thing, or even start out in a place where you can measure something or measure your progress or lack thereof, then there's no way you're going to be a held accountable to that, to that goal or to that statement. And B, you'll, you'll never achieve it. It's just a pipe dream at that point. So I like what you said about uh, being specific with your passion and, and your why. Like, why am I doing this thing? Yeah, that's great, man. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how, you know, we talked about passion. And right now you're, you're kind of like, I see you as an authority on, on fighting burnout and putting systems in place for doing that. And I was curious, what are some of the things that you think help facilitate us in losing our passion for our job? So I've actually um, got a free thing that I that I that I give out to people as a download. And literally, there's four the, the four key things that I talk about all the time that literally can change things instantly. Is one, remember why you started. Two, and I like how you talked about goals, but I believe goals are great, but you need to have some emotion behind them. So I tell people, create a vision, have a vision of where you want to go, you know, actually see yourself there because your mind does not know what's, what's true and false. It only believes what you tell it. So if you visualize something hard enough with enough emotion, with enough, um, physiology behind it, with enough focus, uh, your mind will actually believe that, that it's true. And so it will actually figure out ways to help you accomplish it or destroy mm-hmm. it. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Focus on it. So the third thing is focus. Uh, and then fourth is make a choice. So those are the four things that I tell everybody to start with because at the end of the day, uh, you know, and I go more into detail with this and that download and give you some freebies in that. But when you have a vision, when you are focused on the correct things, then you can make a well-informed decision and make a choice. True. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are great, uh, great tools to help keep us or, or kind of like reignite us if you will. Right. Um, as far as the things that happen to us or maybe the redundancies or the complacencies that kind of fall into place, um, what do you think it is that's, that's at the root of that? Like that helps facilitate us losing, losing those passions. Do you think it's the, the complacency or, or like you said, uh, honestly, from the four, from the four things that you just gave me, I think a lot of it can be attributed to lack of vision, right? It's, it's, um, it's lack of vision. And also, uh, <laughs> I'm going to drop right back to it. Your mission statement. When you have a well-defined true mission statement that is yours, like literally when I say it's yours, your mission statement, everybody believes that they can create a mission statement. And this is where I very much disagree. Uh, You don't create a mission statement. You just find your mission statement. It was planted when we were a toddler. It was planted when we were really young. And then it's been concreted in over the years and over the years. And what a lot of people that I see, especially in frontline, we start to see a lot of trauma, especially, uh, and we aren't prepared for it because we don't have a passion and a way to visualize a vision to, uh, or a focus to shift that into a 
uplifting way that's serving our mission statement. Uh, and so what ends up happening is we end up feeling like we can never achieve our mission statement, even though we don't consciously know what it is because we haven't ever articulated it. So subconsciously we're sitting there going, oh, this is, I'm never going to feel happy. So I'll just focus on the fact that uh, I'm being made redundant and the media doesn't like me and this, that, and the other thing. And so then we just, that makes us feel better because we can shift the blame instead of right. actually taking accountability, accountability. Instead yeah. of taking accountability for what part did I have in this? Did I actually show up every single day to make it so that um, I was irreplaceable? You know, so that um, I wasn't even thought about in that redundancy. Mm -hmm. You know, so that shit, okay, my role is being made redundant, but I'm so loved and cared about and I bring so much more than just what I do every day that they want to find me a job somewhere doing something else. Right. And so when we drive from that mission, man, like, and we make sure that all our levels are, are served and met, then we can actually turn up and start to serve at a greater level. You know, I talk about this a lot. What we do should be serving us so that then we can, our tank is so full that it's overflowing and we can give all that overflowing with even more passion and more power and more intent. And imagine if you had a whole fire department and police force and frontline officers and frontline people that lived in that state. You right. Actually yeah. have less of them because they'd be making such an impact. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you it, would be, not, it would be much more the, quality the numbers on the hoses, but yeah, the engagement yeah. would be through the roof because they're no longer feeling like I'm being drained by having to go all these call outs and I'm having I'm being drained because I don't know if the bosses are going to fire me tomorrow. I don't know if the political thing's going to come down. All of that comes down into that choice that I said, you have a decision on what you focus on. What do you want to focus on? Yeah, that. Or do you want to focus on why you're actually here? Which one? Right. It's really, life is easy. You have two choices. Do it or don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and action is a huge part of that. That's, that's actually one of my core values with Ignited, you know, action, ownership, and brotherhood. And these are things that are just inherent in, in me personally. And so I implemented them in, into the Ignited movement. But it's true. Those are things that are just inherent in me. And so identifying what those things are that are inherent in you that help you accomplish that mission that only you can accomplish, I think really speaks volumes. Uh, what you said about finding your mission really stuck out to me uh, because it brought up actually two quotes. There's a quote by, I think it was Confucius, and it was like, we have two lives. And the second begins when we realize why we were born. I think that's how it goes. And then the, the other one by, lines, yeah. right. Yeah. And then the other one by Mark Twain that I, that stuck out to me was the two most important days in your life are the day you're born. And then the day that you realize why. Yeah. And ultimately that just supports exactly what you said. You know, it's, it's, we are all individuals here working through our individual experience, but through that experience, we can utilize what it is that we know, how we see things, how we adapt to help other people do those very things. And uh, you brought up the idea of being more than what you, being more than what you do. Like we're more than, than what we do. I like, and I believe in the, uh, the quote or the idea that, you know, it's what we do that defines us. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we can only be defined by our careers. And I feel like a lot of the times um, I've seen this in the fire service that uh, it's when we do that, when we define ourselves as people um, by our career as firefighter, and we do that to an excess, we lose sight of the other things in our lives, like our families, our personal interests. And I feel like uh, morale takes a huge dip. I feel like depression spikes, you know, all the things we don't want in our lives become more present when we lose our sense of identity in that 
uh, extreme way of thinking that we're only what it is that we do. Like if I'm a firefighter, I have to have, you know, everything in my home needs to reflect that I'm a firefighter. Every piece of clothing that I wear needs to reflect that I'm a cop. And, you know, it's like we completely, completely lose ourselves. And then a lot of us lose our families because of it, because we're so self-centered. We're so focused on, on this uh, pious idealism that, that we just lose it. And then we wind up alone, we wind up depressed. And then, you know, sadly, a lot of us are, are taking our own lives. And, and I feel like we can stop that cycle. Um, but I wanted to ask you specifically, how can we stay on track when it comes to not losing our identity in that? Would you revert back to the, the four things that you just shared? Or is there some additional insight you could provide? I would revert back to those, but the main one, and I run a training on this specifically. Uh, and part of the big core part of my, all of my coaching and that is all on this. Who am I, if not, and you enter in whatever it is that you do, uh, it could be a salesperson. It could be a mother. It could be, you know, but we're talking about first responders here. Uh, I remember when I was a cop, all I did was live, eat, breathe anything to do with policing. So I would right. go to the shooting range so that I was better, a better cop. I would train so that I was a better cop. I would, you know, watch videos and trainings so that I was a better cop. All I did was policing stuff. So when I burned out and almost got a divorce, almost destroyed everything in my life, pretty much, uh, I really had to figure out who I was. Uh, and this comes back to that whole mission statement or knowing your why, uh, I call your why mm -hmm. the seven steps to get to your mission statement. Uh, because all of those matter. Now the first four change the last three don't because the last three are normally, uh, an emotional kind of side of stuff. And the first four are more of a logical side. Uh, and most people can get the first four without even a struggle. Uh, and it's all just by asking, you know, why it's important and, and, and going through that. If you want to know more, then reach out to me and we'll take you through it. But um, when we can actually, you know, I used to say I am a cop or I, I used to be a cop. Uh, when we say I am, we start to identify as that. So how often do you say I am a firefighter? Right. Yeah. That's Good not point. who you are. It's what you do. Right. And so when we recognize that and we go, okay, well, I am a person who helps myself and others see themselves. That's who I am. Now that's also my mission statement. That's also my deep level. Why? Because it is who I am. It all started back mm -hmm. when I was a kid and it's what I've done for my entire life. If I'm actually honest with myself and look at it. But what I've done is I've been a sailor. I've skippered boats. I have been uh, a retail assistant. I have been a police officer and currently what I do is coaching. I coach people through their mental health stuff and help them reclaim their mental health. So that they fight burnout, find passion and get those first day feelings back. That's what I do. Now I could say that's who I am, but ultimately, if you're just identifying consistently as who, as, as what it is, if it gets taken away, you feel empty. And the thought or the, the chance of that happening can spiral you into depression. Then you add all the trauma that we see as frontline and first responders. It's true. All that, all that does is concrete it in. All what I've recognized over years of doing this is, and years of working through myself is all that does is concrete in the negative beliefs or the self doubts because you don't know who you are. And so by seeing that, and I don't, you know, a disclaimer might go a little deep here by seeing those dead bodies by, you know, I know some of the stuff that you guys see, you know, seeing those shit that you shouldn't, a human mind should not have to see. There's a study that was right, done, yeah. you know, uh, for police officers, at least I know a, a police officer in the U S will see 18 times as much trauma in their first year of the job as a civilian will in their life. That's 18 times in the first year compared to the entire life. 
So if yeah. you don't know who you are and you can't actually go, oh, okay, cool. I'll help people see, see themselves. Oh, wow. That's a, that, yeah, that's a dead body. Okay. I need to do something to help myself see myself right now because that just is not right. And I need to recognize that. Yeah. hundred percent agree. And I was actually going to bring up that statistic and, and, and you brought it up, you know, perfectly. We, uh, in our careers, we are subjected to so much trauma and it's not, I'm not, you know, playing a victim or trying to, um, what's the word act as if, you know, poor me, but, um, we, we signed up for that thing. You know, we signed up understanding that, that we would be put in those situations. But like you said, if you don't know who you are, boy, you're going to get, you're really going to get eaten alive. And we don't, there is no, and it's no fault of any department. Uh, they are there to, when you're at academy or at training, they're there to train you to do a job. Yeah. And, and you can't blame them for, for not giving you the mental tools to prepare for it because that's not yeah. necessarily, and yes, they should have more than they probably do, I would say, but at the same time, they are there and their job is to, in a short limited time that they have, train you how to put out a fire how to apprehend yeah. somebody, how to know the laws, you know, how to, you know, jet run a truck or drive yeah. a truck. Uh, their job isn't necessarily to sit there and take you through a 12 week. I mean, my course is as long as some police trainings and firefighter trainings. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, all mm. we do is talk about mental health and how to overcome it and how to, how to not burn out in what you do. Uh, and so you have to recognize that, that you, you got to do a lot of work yourself as well. And, um, it's not for the job. It's for bettering yourself, bettering your relationship and then bettering the job. But yes, it's, um, trauma is one of those things that, um, it creeps up on us and before yeah. we know it, it's taken hold of us. And I call it the little demon, uh, yeah. cause he likes to, he likes to come out and play sometimes. But, um, right. yeah, hiding in the shadows. Yeah, we were just, uh, I'm on a committee and actually, uh, talking about the, uh, reorganizing our, our mission, vision and values. And, and I see it, I approach it as more of, a consciously identifying our mission, vision and values. Like you said, you know, um, what it is that we do is already, it's already prevalent to the public. You know, uh, when you see a big red fire truck drive by, everybody knows why that truck, why that truck exists. And there's no question. Like, so, so we don't need to retell, well, you know, what we do here, our mission is to put fires out. Well, everybody knows that, but what is it that makes us specifically the, the badge that we're wearing or the city that we work for, whatever it is that we're, what organization we belong to, what is the mission of that organization? And that doesn't even have to be anything relative to making sure it looks good to the public. What is it that's important to us that wear the badge, that wear the Maltese, you know, and, and it, it speaks to our core values as well. Like we were talking about um, core values and, you know, what would we like our core values to be? And I'm like, well, you know, guys, we, we already have core values. We, we're just not openly purveying them every opportunity that we get. We're not shining a spotlight on them. And I think what we should be doing instead of, you know, throwing a dart at a dartboard and just picking some good words that sound great, we should really be looking inside and, and thinking, what is it that we already are doing that, that is setting us apart as an organization? Like, are we, are we innovative? I don't know. Are we, uh, you know, are we ex, do we have a standard for excellence? Are we um, going above expectations? Do we exceed expectations? Like these are all questions, you know, and, and those things that we're naturally doing are inherently our, like by definition, our core values. <laughs> yep. So for us to act like we need to choose new ones is, is kind of ridiculous to me. And, and it's an exercise in futility. Yeah, I mean, values is a massive thing. I, I, I've got my neurolinguistic programming, uh, you know, masters and stuff in it, and you go through values in that. 
and we all inherently have our values and they're in a, normally they're in a specific order in that which one's most important and which one's down uh, but at the same time we can change those but first we want to look at also you know how are we serving them why are we serving them again back to that why uh, and mm -hmm. what has to happen for them to actually be fulfilled and do we like that answer that last one's probably mm -hmm. the most important because any fire service, police department, frontline agency, they all have really good values. But it's a matter of what are we actually doing to achieve those values? Do we like it? And do we need to change it? Yeah. What, uh, what actionable steps are we taking to reflect those values? And are we being yeah. conscious in that? And we can do that same thing for yeah. ourselves as well. You know, yeah. what is it that has to happen? Or I call it what, what is, how is your, what you're doing serving you? And what has to happen for that actually to be fulfilled? Yeah. Agreed. You, know? you, and a you lot brought of people up a good set point. Themselves up for failure. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You brought up a good point about um, how we train a lot in, in these specific careers to perform tasks. A lot of our time in the academy, the police academy, the fire academy, we're spending so much time training on tasks and inherently we build trust within that, within that time frame because we're witnessing people perform these tasks and get better at these tasks. And so when it comes to riding on the big red fire truck or in the cruiser, we have built that trust with them. I trust that person to be able to do that job because I've seen them do it. And we have that task level of trust. Um, but I brought it up in the, in, in a committee meeting, you know, I'll, I'll trust you with my life, but probably not with my wife. And, and it goes, it goes back to a different kind of trust. We're talking about fostering the mental health aspect of it, you know, and, and we, as firefighters, we like to talk a big game about how, you know, the kitchen table is where, is where all of the most important conversations happen. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but more and more as time goes on and as we lose people to attrition and we gain new people, uh, I look around the kitchen table and I see everybody on their phones. We're all sitting at the mm -hmm. kitchen table, but we're all staring off at our phones or playing a game or doing whatever. We're not having these conversations that build that brotherhood, that build that trust, uh, not on the task side of the teeter-totter, but on the relationship side of the teeter-totter. I want to be able to trust you with my life and my wife, not, not just one or the other, or just, not just the one. And it's, 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 it's awesome that you bring that up because the biggest thing that I got asked this by somebody who's putting some stuff together for our police force here in that a while back, I think it was mid last year. And she's like, Chris, if you had all the money in the world, there was no budget, what would be the number one thing that you would implement into the police and make mandatory? Well, she didn't even say make mandatory, just implement into the police to help mental health within policing here. And it goes the same thing for fire. I feel like fire up until recently has been actually has had this in a better way. But I said mandatory debriefs at the end of every shift. Doesn't matter how much overtime you've done at the end of the shift, there's a mandatory debrief. And I'm not talking about just, yeah, went to three domestics tonight and uh, four traffic uh, crashes. And yeah, doing pretty good. I mean, like, Ryan, you know, how, 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 was, how was the shift and how are you doing? I, I heard that you went to a sudden death uh, uh, and I, I was there. I saw it. How, how, you know, how are things, how are you going? after afterwards on that and actually build that camaraderie and build that right. know like and trust in each other uh and you might be like oh no you know things things are pretty good you know yeah it was pretty gruesome uh but it um yeah it i don't think it's really affected me and as a boss and a leader or as a sergeant or the the lieutenant or whoever is running the kind of debrief going sweet awesome we'll check back in on you and if anything comes up you know your family's here and whether it's the yep. family's interacting, changing, whatever, it doesn't matter because you're consistently having these. And if you consistently have them, then you build that trust in each other. You'll trust them with your wife, with your kids, with whatever. And you'll yep. actually get to know each other better than, okay, can you stack up on a line and do I trust that you're not going to shoot me in the butt? 
or can you yeah. stack up on a hose and I know you're going to hold on to it when it starts to get a bit crazy, right? You know, or you're in a fire and I know you're going to grab my grab me and 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 pull me back out. You know, those things are inherently trained, and that's why we join the job. But the actual, as a human side, it also brings out the human, brings that place. Now, I said fire, I believe, has had this more is because I remember, I think it was uh, Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement. I was reading it a while back, and I'm not a reader, so it was lucky that I actually managed, I, it had me glued, and I was pulled through it. Um, and he says in there, he's like, you know, the difference, and this was wrote, I think it was wrote like 10, 15 years ago. Um, and he says in there, he's like, you know, the difference between fire and police and the reason that fire at that stage weren't didn't seemingly have as much mental health stuff going on within their their firefighters um and again that he's writing this from a policing background as a police psychologist uh was when fire and police all turn up to a scene they're all there say a big nasty crash you know maybe it's a a, a crash where there's fatalities and that they all turn up there at the end of it all the fire guys go, they all jump back and jump, all jump back into one big red truck and the police go and they jump into six different police cars and they go off and they do their different thing. And the difference uh, is, point. is the firefighters, firefighters jump back into the car and they start talking about what they just went with, whether it be black humor, whatever it is, they start talking about it. Police officers hop back in their car and they go to the next job. Yeah. And 90% of the time they never talk about that thing let alone the six to 10 other ones that they go to after that or before that. Yeah. And so there's that, there's that, there's, isn't that debrief as such, whereas firefighters get that debrief literally straight away. If they have good leadership within the truck, they'll start talking about it straight away. And so it yeah. instantly gets it out in the air and gets it instead of digging down into you, and then having to use the tools that I teach and that to pull the real you back out as we talked about what you do is not who you are. I'm going to pull all that out so you're not sitting there stuffing all those emotions away feeling numb. Yep, exactly. Or trying to bury them under, you know, drugs or alcohol or whatever else, whatever other vice we might yeah. be employing. Whatever your go-to is. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. fun. It's, it's exactly. interesting. You, you you mentioned you mentioned about fitness, and we're both you know we both have personal training stuff. We all have that fitness stuff, and we just talked about vices. And I wanted to bring up something that a vice does not have to be alcohol. It does not have to be drugs. It does not have to be gambling. Right. My vice was iron. It was the gym, mm. and I okay. used it yeah. as an escape. And I used it as a. I have to go to the gym. I have to do this training or I'm going to be angry. And I, literally I would be. And the moment I recognized, I, re I remember coming back from my motorcycle trip when after I burned out and had all this stuff that happened, I came back and about three months into being back, I grabbed my boxing gloves and I was like, oh, I'm going to go do some boxing on the bag. And I remember putting them on and going, wow, this is different. I'm not putting these on angry wanting to beat the crap out of the bag because I want to feel something or because of all the stuff that I've seen or because there's that person in my head or whatever. I'm doing this because I actually enjoy it because I'm actually going to have enjoying some fun it. with yeah. this. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a difference there and it's just something for viewers and listeners to be aware of that if you have to do something, it's now a crux. Not that it's the, you know, fitness is a great thing to have to do. But when you get to enjoy it and you get to love it and you have a purpose behind it, completely different. Yeah, that's a total game changer. Mm, yeah. So, sorry, like I want to add goes, that in. The time, no, 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 that's good. That's a good <laughs> point because I, I, I do that very same thing. Like if I, if I have a rough shift. Um, and I'm not talking necessarily something that just has me very tired. I was, I was on an overtime shift last night, but, I, and like I said, I was, I'm very tired because I didn't sleep hardly at all. Um, which goes with the job, but today I'm just, you know, when I got home, I didn't go to the gym at when I normally would because I just didn't have the energy, but even on a bad call, like if, if there was something that I witnessed that made me angry, maybe an abuse issue or, you know, some kind of negligent issue or maybe a drunk driver hit some innocent person and those things that would in, in uh, that flare up that anger in me, 
I would, I would at the same time, you know, put that anger in a jar, in the proverbial jar, put it on the shelf and keep it there for when I'm ready to go to the gym and get to it. And then I take that jar off the shelf and, you know, and I use that. Um, but at the same time, I don't want that to be my only source of motivation yeah. because all that does is like reinforce and double down on that negativity. And then pretty soon going to the gym and taking care of myself physically has now become some kind of warped negative behavior and it's become obsessive and, and by definition. So you brought up a good point, man. That was excellent. It's um, it also, what ends up happening is you start to serve the gym. The gym no longer yeah. is serving you. And this is what I talk about all the time. It's the same thing with work, same thing with what you do as a, as a career. The moment that that changes is the moment that you start to just turn out for a paycheck. It's the moment that you start to go, oh, what else is out there? That's burnout because you have yeah. no real passion behind it. You know, me, I'm training like a crazy person. I saw your post the other day around, around some fitness stuff and that, and I'm training like a crazy person. In the old days, that would have been me because I was in a very bad place. I had gone to a lot of those jobs where that jar, that anger jar was overflowing with stuff. Yeah. Once you actually recognize yourself and you work through a lot of your own stuff, what you end up realizing is that none of that matters. Again, it comes back to my four things. What you focus on is what you get and make a choice. Do you want that to make you angry and, and ask why? Why is that making me so angry? Now, yes, it's a horrible thing, the drunk driver example. I remember being, on, uh, being at work and heard a call come in for a, for a crash out uh, in the boondocks kind of thing. And what happened was a drunk driver came around a corner, went across the road, collided into a car with a uh, mother and father in, in it uh, and two kids in the back. The mother and father died and the two kids lived. And I remember hearing all of this over the radio. And you don't have to be at the scene when you're a first responder. You start to visualize exactly what that scene looks like because you've been to enough of them. And I started to get angry about it. And now I think back to it and I go, shit, I feel, I feel very, very sorry for that family. And I'm, you know, it, it's very, it's horrible what's happened to those two kids and the parents of, you know, the parents dying and that, but I go, I feel sorry for the drunk driver as well, because now he has that on his conscience. And also what he has is he now, I'm like, what, what's caused him so much pain to actually want actually feel it was okay to drive that drunk. Right. Is he running? From? Yeah. And so it's that compassion aspect, because again, what's my mission statement? What's my purpose in life? And what's my why to help others to themselves <laughs> and myself right. to ourselves. So it's again, applying that all back to it and it just, it becomes a game changer. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed, man. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned a, a new program you're working on a 12 week thing. Uh, the name of that is rise. Am I right? Yep. It sure yeah. is. It's rise. Right uh, yeah. So, um, I'm real passionate about that one. Uh, it is a 12 week, um, program to take you from maybe feeling, uh, you know, burned out. If you, if you kind of are already aware of that, uh, it takes you from feeling a bit frustrated. Maybe you're frustrated with your with your department, with the bosses, with the politics, with what's going on. Uh, maybe you're just kind of in that checked out stage where you're like, I'm literally just here to collect a paycheck. Uh, when something new comes up, I'm taking it. Uh, to really having clarity um, and shifting that mindset and that re reclaiming, as I call it, as I said, uh, your mental health. Uh, so that you begin to be served by your life, by everything that's going on, so that then you can turn up to people fully, have that passion again, have that excitement. Um, and yeah, it's over It's over 12 weeks, and um, you can reach out to me directly on Instagram, uh, Chris Chandler Yates, or on LinkedIn, uh, same thing, uh, and or just go to uh, createfromwhy.com, uh, and you can... You can, uh, yeah, just book a book a time to, to talk to me specifically. Right on, man. That sounds great. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show. I'm gonna go ahead and like add all of the those things that you just mentioned into the show notes, um, so people can just do like a nice little one click deal, and then uh, cool. maybe they can reach out to you and get that resource that you talked about a little earlier. Your four key things. But uh, yeah, I well, I'll, I'll you, talk man. to you right now. I'll tell it to you right now. You can put it down below as well. Uh, it is um, 
www.createfromy.com uh, forward slash okay. four ways. And so what it is, it's the four, uh, four, four effective ways to eliminate burnout in your frontline career. So it's, uh, and there's a couple of little bonuses in there for your phone. So you can, uh, keep yourself, you know, we're on, like you said, everybody's sitting around the, the kitchen table on their phone. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, uh, some effective ways to bring yourself back to balance and, um, and that just re quick reminders that, that just sit on your wallpaper. So there's a couple free free bonus wallpapers there as well for, for those that go get it. Right on. Is it the number four or spelled out? Uh, the number four. So number four. So okay. number four and then ways. Um, right four slash number four and then ways. Cool. Right on, man. Well, I appreciate you. We'll be in touch soon. I know uh, we are uh, in some similar circles together, so I know we'll bump into each other. But uh, I look forward to chatting with you soon, man. Yeah, same, man. It's going to be good, and I look forward to seeing like uh, th what you're doing, man. Is just amazing. It's um, it's great to uh, to see your programs coming, and for firefighters and that. You know, I might not be a firefighter, uh, but uh, we all go through a lot of the similar stuff, just in different ways. Uh, and I got utmost respect for you guys because I've almost done it a couple times, but never actually never actually went down that road <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right yeah, on man yeah. we'd, we'd, be, we'd be glad to have you <laughs> yeah, yeah. right on appreciate you man talk to you awesome. soon you as well i hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with chris he's a great guy he's he's doing some really wonderful things uh, i apologize for the delay he's down in new zealand and there's some connectivity issues going on but regardless the conversation i felt was very valuable i always like talking to chris he helps put things in perspective and provides me with a new, a new way to look at things. Um, one of the things that I really liked that he brought up was the idea of mandatory debrief. And in the fire service, we might think of this as like an after action review. And uh, through this last captain's testing process, uh, during my interview, one of the things I had spoken about was how I would love to incorporate an after action review for every call. Now, does it have to be we all sit down at a table and go through a systematic way of doing things? No, but I do think that there should be a systematic approach to those significant calls. And uh, even if it's something as simple as like a lift assist, I think we can get back on the truck and we can talk about things that maybe went well, that didn't go well, things that might work well next time. I like the idea of Kaizen, and you've heard me talk about that before. That's the Japanese word for continual improvement. And uh, I think this after-action review or mandatory debrief, or the idea of it, at least, fosters in that sense of continual improvement. And uh, it kind of supports the idea of if you're not growing, then you're dying, right? And so what kind of person do you want to be in your firefight career? Do you want to be the person who gets complacent, fat and lazy, bitter, and uh, just cantankerous all around? Or do you want to be the person who's continually improving themselves? looking to grow, looking to find new ways of doing things, looking to contribute, and looking to be the firefighter that you would want on your crew. So do yourself a favor, share this episode with someone who, I guess it's not doing yourself a favor, but do me a favor and <laughs> share this episode with someone that you might think benefit from it or could benefit from it. And also do me a favor and tag me. If you decide to take a screenshot, share it on your social media, tag me in it. And uh, I'd like to make contact with you and give you a little token of my appreciation. So remember next time, when you see a need, own it and take action. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.